Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Good morning! Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's time to wake up. <laughs> it's five, and we're live. Oh, is this thing on? I don't care. I want him to hear. This is the pregame show. Your early morning shot of sports on 95.7. The game. Come on. Yes, sir. Good morning, family. Steven Lightford on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game leading up until 6 o'clock as the morning roast will take you until 10. Got an interesting show today. Coming up at 545, as we do every Friday, it's Langford's Long Balls. If baseball doesn't want to market their players, we'll let this one random radio host in San Francisco do so at 545 on a Friday. Langford's Long Balls, I go through my five favorite home runs of the week. That's going to be coming up at 545. There was an addition that the 49ers made yesterday that I feel like slipped under the radar And it's one that I think is very beneficial uh, to the depth of the defense. So we'll talk a little bit uh, about that. We got an update regarding the Warriors and Damian Lee going on the health and safety protocol list. We got a lot to talk about, but also want to talk about the Giants getting this 3-0 win over the Miami Marlins, moving to 12-7 and on the season. Seven total hits in this entire game, and the big RBI not only came off of Darren Ruff's bat in the first, but then off of the bat of Kurt Casale. Line drive, base hit. And it's kicked by Dickerson, and that's going to allow Ruff to score 3-0. And it's all happened after two outs. Now, there's a lot to get to from that game, but I did want to start out, and credit NBC Sports Bay Area for the audio, I did want to start out with Kurt Casale and listen to this stat. He's just a, look, listen to this stat. First off, he's a veteran backup catcher. And, you know, we've given Farhan a lot of credit for doing a lot of different things, but one of the things we haven't really given him credit for so far is just finding those veteran backups who understand the game. And Kurt Casale is one of those guys. And if you didn't hear, let me read the score off again. It was three to zero. They shut the Marlins out. And Kurt Casale 
is the fifth catcher in the modern era who has at least five straight shutouts in his starts. This is fifth one in a row. The last players to do it in 2015, it was Francisco Cervelli. In 1995, it was Chris Hoyles. From 1986, Alan Ashby. And from 1903, I think we all remember this one, when this dude caught six straight shutouts, but it's Ed Phelps. Ed Phelps in 1903. What an absolute stud. I remember watching him back in the day. That's actually, Ed Phelps is the guy that got me into baseball uh, in the early 1900s. Uh, but Kurt Casale is the first out of these guys to do it with five different starting pitchers. Now, you will notice that it's not like these guys on this list are all Hall of Fame catchers. You know, it's not like you have the the Johnny Benches of the world that are on this list. It's not like you have Yadier Molina or Joe Maurer on this list. It's not like you have Buster Posey on this list. But still, some pretty unique company that Kirk Casale is joining, and I think that he's been a pleasant surprise. Now, he hasn't really done it too much with the bat, but it was the perfect timing because... When they were talking about Kurt Casale, they were saying he's been pretty cold with the bat, and they were saying that Casale told them before the game that this is the coldest uh, that he's ever been. This might be the worst slump of his career. But uh, according to everyone that plays with him, everyone on the Giants, he's just a super laid-back type of dude. So shout-out to Kurt Casale, but that's crazy. The fifth catcher in the modern era since 1900 with at least five straight shutouts in his starts and the first catcher to do it with five different starting pitchers. So you had that story yesterday. Another story was the rabbit. The rabbit is what happened in the second inning. Now, the game was 3 nothing, and uh, by the end of the first, and then at that point there weren't many runs Many hits. There wasn't much of anything, much action going on uh, during the game. But in the second inning, first off, it was interesting because at the top of the second, it started out with Kruk and Kipe mentioning whether it's this is the biggest pizza box I've ever seen. Did you guys hear that? I literally rewinded the broadcast just so I could see what pizza box they were talking about because I thought I missed it. Maybe I just... I don't know, looked at my phone or and, and looked down and just didn't look up in time. But Kruger Kuiper said, first off, that's the biggest pizza box I've ever seen. But they never showed the pizza box. So you had that. And then with a couple of outs in the second, all of a sudden they start talking about a rabbit. I'm like, what? And you look in the crowd and the camera has on two fans with a rabbit, holding a rabbit in the front rows. And they're just <laughs> and the commentating from Crook and Kipe was absolutely legendary because they had no idea what they were seeing. This was a first for these guys. Am I hallucinating or is that a rabbit? That was a rabbit. You know? So you know what they do after Easter? They go to ball games. We just found that out. I, I, they got a rabbit. Yep. And it's not a small one either. That's a big fella. Let him run. Uh-oh. Food for the rabbit? Yep. Look at the ears. Oh, snacks. Snacks 
for humans or snacks for rabbits? Well, you got to be careful with snacks for the rabbit. Otherwise, you're going to see smart pills on your leg. Now, shout out to Janie McCauley from the Associated Press. Her and Kate Scott were all over uh, this story. And Janie McCauley went down and interviewed the owner of the bunny. And it is a four-and-a-half-month-old mo- four therapy, pun- therapy bunny named Alex. He belongs to Kai Kato, who lost her restaurant uh, during the pandemic. So um, it was a therapy bunny. And I've never seen something like that uh, in the stadium before. But, you know, going into it, everyone's like, how'd they get that past security? Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, nah, if you have, you know, certification that this is a, a, a an animal that can help you, I, I think that, you know, they're going to let it through. And it's clearly a therapy punny, and I'm sure there was some certification for it. Uh, but listen to this call from NBC Sports Bay Area from Crook and Kipe. I will give you one guess as to who's coming up to the plate when they are doing this play-by-play. Am I hallucinating, or is that a rabbit? That was a rabbit, you know. So you know what they do after Easter? They go to ball games. We just found that out. They got a rabbit. Yep. And it's not a small one either. That's a big fella. Anyone hear that? Friends theme song in the background. That automatically knows you got Wilmore Flores coming up to the plate who uses that Friends theme song every single uh, at-bat because that's how we learned English was, was by watching uh, that show. I mean, I don't, know how, I don't know if it compares to Mark Canna going up to Like a Virgin by Madonna, but still, pretty good, uh, pretty good walk-up song. But one other thing with the rabbit, and I've never seen anything like it before, you know, different strokes for different folks. You got to do what you got to do. But... I'm so glad there are fans back. <laughs> I, I don't. I didn't realize how much I truly missed the Krukenkype crowd searching experience when the game is. It's not necessarily in a lull at that point because it's only the second inning, but it's still. That's what makes Krukenkype so special. It's that they're very entertaining. And when they're going around in the crowd, when the game uh, might not be as exciting, it, we we all know what it's like here in the Bay Area. We're very we're we're very lucky to have them. So Crook and Kipe, uh they were just tailor made for a rabbit to be in the crowd. They were tailor made for it. They were also tailor made for the guy who uh, slipped and fell uh, when he was in the outfield trying to catch Bryce Harper's home run. <laughs> I mean, I mean, just glad to have fans back. I really am. I really have. There's no judgment here about bringing a rabbit into the into the stadium. If you want to bring your rabbit, you bring your rabbit. Especially if it's a therapy bunny. Therapy bunny named Alex. Shout out to Alex. Love you, Alex. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to from this game was the start from Aaron Sanchez. Aaron Sanchez yesterday was absolutely uh, dealing. He only gave up two hits, only struck out a couple. But he managed to go five strong innings. And they ended up taking him out after five innings, even after letting him bat, uh, because they didn't want to linger any injury. We've already seen what happened with Cueto. Cueto, after a six-inning strikeout, just said, look, I'm taking myself out of the game. I can't do this anymore. And then Aaron Sanchez, Gabe Kapler mentioned after the game, the reason we took him out so early is we didn't want his pitch count getting too high. And luckily, the bullpen has been able to produce and continue 
to maintain whatever lead that you've been given uh, over the Marlins. And then enter in after those five innings and after Aaron Sanchez batted at the plate. Everyone was kind of pissed, actually. That was, was the amazing part about this. Everyone was pissed during the, uh, during the commercial break when they saw a new pitcher come in after the fifth inning. They're thinking, what, they, they, just, they just brought Aaron Sanchez up to the plate, and now they're just bringing in a new pitcher? What? Why? Why are you even going to do that? Well, once that new pitcher, Gregory Santos, came in, I mean, everyone just forgot about the fact that Gabe Kapler had made some sort of questionable move, even though after the game he justified it and it was totally validated. But enter Gregory Santos, and the dude was just lights out. Uh, He was a young rookie, and he'd been on the alternate training site. Donovan Solano obviously went into the IL, and they brought up Gregory Santos. Now, I have someone who's in the know with these guys, and the Giants are feeling really good about this young pitching that they have in the uh, lower leagues, all the way from AAA down all the way to Arizona. They're feeling good about this young pitching, and they called up Gregory Santos, and I don't know if it's going to be him and Cavillo Duvall in the bullpen for the entire for their entire Giants career. I don't know if they're going to get thrusted into the starting five, but the way that Santos was throwing yesterday, how quickly he was working. I mean, the dude had a 98-mile-an-hour fastball with a slider that was going anywhere from 89 to 91 miles an hour with a ton of movement. Now, the accuracy, he went to a full count at first, but he still managed to strike these batters out. Then he struck out the side. Gregory Santos looked great when he came in. And then the relievers managed to, you know, do some mop-up duty, clean everything up, keep everything clean. Then Jake McGee came in, got the save toward the end of the game. The Marlins, they're not a great team, but after all, the Giants are off to still a, a hot start at 12-7, and seven, winning this ballgame 3 to nothing, and only giving up two hits to the Marlins, which was insane. But Gregory Santos, man, I think once he got that hold uh, in the inning, and he had a couple of strikeouts, 16 pitches, 11 of which uh, were strikes, but it was just the movement and the confusion from these batters. It's something that I think Giants fans have been waiting for for a while. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. But coming up next, speaking of Gregory Santos and Camilo Duvall, I want to play some sound for you from Dave Fleming. And listen to what he said regarding Camilo Duvall. And this is why analytics there's a positive to it and it doesn't necessarily have to do with what with what's going on in the game so we'll get to that next triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in what did you think of seeing the rabbit on screen with the bow tie kurt casale being the fifth player since 1900 to catch five straight shutouts what did you think of the game last night? 888-957-9570. Stephen Langford in on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game.
Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. We'll get back to what happened in the Giants game last night as they got the win over the Marlins, beating them three to nothing. Coming up at 545, we got Langford's long balls where I go through my five favorite home runs of the week. If baseball doesn't want to market their players, then let this radio host at 5 a.m. in San Francisco do it for them. But real quick. Rest in peace to Shock G, a.k.a. Humpty, from Digital Underground. You know, and you hear that news uh, last night. Kind of grew up um, wondering about Digital Underground because you'd heard the Humpty dance. Uh, I I heard it when I was very very young, and then when I got into, you know, a little more hip-hop, and, um, you know, I heard on E-40, uh, there was a song that he had just straight up called E-40. And at the beginning, it talked about Tupac. Uh, it had Tupac doing some commentary and saying that E-40 is who Tupac was to Digital Underground. So from there, I started looking up Digital Underground, learned who Shock G was, and he was one of the first dudes to, um, in hip-hop at least, to have an alter ego. You know, and he was just so influential, and he's an absolute legend in the Bay. Shout out to you from the 707. Rest in peace to the Bay Area legend. Shock G, of course, helping jumpstart Tupac's career and then contributing uh, to some of Tupac's music. Just an absolutely influential artist to, you know, I mean, think of the name, Digital Underground. Even though those songs could have been mainstream, they came out as underground at first. And that's just what Shock G was. He was underrated in every aspect. So shout out to uh, Shock G and everyone and all his family and friends and everybody. Uh, So rest in peace to Shock G. All right. So yesterday we talked about a few things in the ballgame. First off, (laughs) not only did they just give up two hits to the Marlins, since when is the last time the Giants team, uh, the Giant, this Giants team has given up two hits to any team? It's just insane uh, that they actually did that. They shut out the Marlins, even though the Marlins really don't have uh, a, a good lineup. But not only did they do it with Aaron Sanchez and his great start, going five strong innings, only giving up a couple of hits, uh, but striking out two as well. We also paid attention to Kirk Casale in the fact that it was his fifth straight shutout that he had caught in this game in this season and he's the fifth person to do it since 1900 we had the rabbit in the second inning where the fan had the therapy uh bunny after she lost her uh restaurant due to covid19 that was the story that came out it was pretty beautiful actually to see that whole story come together because in the second inning Kruk and Kipe had no idea what was going on. Then by the sixth, they got the full story, and it all really came full circle. That's what made the game entertaining last night, to be, to, to, to be frank with you. But here was an interesting part that happened. So in the fifth, Aaron Sanchez goes out there, doesn't give up any runs, comes back in, then he hits. Now normally, when a pitcher hits, then they... Eventually, go out onto the mound to the next half inning, right? That's why it happens. Because if he's not going to go out there and pitch, they're most likely going to use a DH. But after the at-bat, they decided to take him out. Then Gabe Kapler said after the game, they didn't want to 
increase his pitch count. They didn't want to raise his pitch count because uh, there is a little bit of a lingering injury. And knowing what's been going on, knowing what happened with Johnny Cueto, and then Evan Longoria leaving with hamstring tightness yesterday, they didn't want to risk anything with Aaron Sanchez, who is an important depth piece with their starting rotation. So they took him out. Everyone is pissed. (laughs) Everyone's outright. Everyone has been finding something to use against Gabe Kapler because that's what it was like last year. They used the bullpen just to not Gabe Kapler and everything that he was doing. But in the sixth inning, it was all forgotten about when Gregory Santos took the mound. Now this dude, if you haven't heard his story, he's 21 years old. He was signed when he was 16 to the White Sox or to the Red Sox, excuse me. And they signed him to their Dominican Summer League. Two years later, when he was 18, he made the Dominican Summer League All-Star Team, the American League All-Star Team. And remember this in 2017? Remember this, dude? Eduardo Nunez, third baseman, kind of a utility infielder. I believe he came from the Mets at that point. But he was traded to the Red Sox for not only the... Long-haired Sean Anderson, who is no longer on the team anymore, but also this dude, Gregory Santos. And Santos was assigned to the Dominican Summer League by the Giants. Then in 2018, he caught he got called up to the Salem-Kaiser Volcanoes, made the Northwest League All-Stars, got called up to the Augusta Green Jackets, went through the entire minor league system for the Giants. And this year, he was assigned to their alternate training site, from the Eugene Emeralds. And he's 21 years old, made his debut, and everyone was going insane, and rightfully so. I was going nuts. I was going nuts. You see this dude, you see the action, you see how quick he was pitching, you see the fact that he's throwing 98 miles an hour with a slider that could reach up to 91 with movement, which is what baseball is in this day and age. But here's what I thought about. When I thought, when I heard Gregory Santos, and you know, I heard about him before, and um, I heard that he could be a stud, and these guys just all need to control their accuracy. But I went back to what Dave Fleming had to say on Monday with the Morning Roast. He joins the Morning Roast uh, every Monday at eight o'clock. A weekly guest, Dave Fleming, Giants broadcaster. He's great every single week. I recommend you tune in. But he had this to say about Camilo Doval. Now, Camilo Doval is another one of these guys that was signed to the Dominican Summer League with the Giants, and then he's been bouncing around in Arizona, called to the alternate training site. He's pitched in single-A baseball with the San Jose Giants, and he was with the alternate training site last year, didn't really get a chance. This year, with the alternate training site again, got called up earlier on in the season. We saw him in spring training, and we went nuts, but... Dave Flemings had this to say on Monday regarding Camilo Doval, and I do think that this can apply to Gregory Santos as well. Here's Dave Fleming from Monday on the Morning Rose talking about Camilo Doval. He's literally a track man freak show. You know, they use the cameras now to measure speed and spin mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And Camilo Doval is sort of unlike any other pitcher that's ever been measured by those systems in the way his fastball spins and moves at the arm angle that he throws it like he is unique is used too often he is unique 
So when you combine great stuff with a really unique profile where he throws it at a different arm angle and it's moving in a different way, wow. Uh, gosh, I hope, I hope that yesterday was a sign that he has harnessed some consistency because, man, if he has, he is going to be a fixture. So we hear that about Camilo Doval, and, you know, he gave up that home run to Bryce Harper the other night. So if you watched him for the first time then, you're thinking, well, what's the hype around this dude? Well, be patient. Give it some time. He's still incredibly young as well. But I think this speaks to the broader point of Farhan Zaidi, and it's not finding the players. We've been talking about that a lot. Finding the Donovan Solano types, the Mike Yastrzemski types, Alex Dickerson's, because those dudes are still on the team, and Farhan was the guy who made those additions. But it's not just the players, because Gregory Santos and Camilo Doval uh, were signed to the Giants before Farhan Zaidi's time. But it's Farhan Zaidi's ability to bring in guys who are analytically driven. You hear Dave Fleming, Dave Fleming at the beginning there talking about Doval being a track man. Uh, was it machine? He's literally a track man freak show. Track man freak show. Excuse me. Excuse me. Track man freak show. Now, track man has a lot to do with analytics, and people hate analytics, right? Because they they have to do with the three true outcomes, and analytics are ruining baseball. But analytics, it's not just having to do with launch angle, exit velocity, and you know, hitters only hitting home runs, walking, and striking out. It's not like analytics only have an effect on that. They have a big effect on player development, and it's not necessarily finding the right players that want to learn and be kind of they want to go along with this new wave of development but not only that it's the coaches that Farhan Zaidi hires to get these guys to where they want to be I mean think about it Gregory Santos last night goes out and absolutely deals right You're, you'd be thinking why would the Red Sox want to trade this dude away two years later when he's 18 years old, when he's clearly shown something. I mean, he made an all-star team with the Dominican Summer League, and what they got in return for him was Eduardo Nunez. And, you know, sure, they did end up winning a World Series the year after that, but you do wonder why would teams trade him away? Well, because they don't necessarily think that he could be a part of their plans. And maybe they didn't make the right hires. But you can go all the way down to from Brian Bannister, who is currently their director of pitching, all the way to Matt Daniels, who's their coordinator of pitching sciences. Those are the types of guys that helps these dudes who clearly have a ton of talent, who have a gift in Santos and Doval, but you have the coaches who can easily explain how they can make this pitch better, how, how they can make that pitch better, and they can make hard, complicated topics easy to digest when it comes to baseball and developing pitchers. And I think that's exactly what they've done here with Santos and Duvall. And what those guys have shown, I mean, along with the rest of the bullpen, that's not to, that's not to knock the rest of the bullpen, but, you know, I mean, Wandy Peralta and Harlan Garcia, Jose Alvarez, they're okay, 
And Tyler Rogers has been fantastic, and Jake McGee has made a, has kind of turned himself into the closer, even though they don't necessarily have a de facto closer. But I do think that this is the type of thing you're going to be seeing going forward with this Giants team, especially in the pitching way, in the pitching realm, with these guys who are a part of the rotation, a part of the bullpen. They're coached correctly. You find these players, you develop them, and you turn them into what you can hope to be some mainstays with this Giants team. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number if you want to weigh in. Coming up next, want to talk about a couple of acquisitions that the 49ers have made that have slipped under the radar uh, in this past week. At, 11, at 5.45, we're going to be having Langford's Long Balls, where I try to go through my five favorite home runs and market these players as best as I can, since baseball doesn't want to do it themselves. But before we do go to break, i got to play this one more time. Just Kruk and Kipe for the first time this season. It's just been great seeing fans back in the stands, but truly, in the second inning last night, it was great to have fans back in the stands and to have Kruk and Kipe have this call. Am I hallucinating, or is that a rabbit? That was a rabbit, you know. So you know what they do after Easter? They go to ball games. We just found that out. I, I, they got a rabbit. Yep. And it's not a small one either. That's a big fella. Let him run. Uh-oh. Is it food for the rabbit? Yep. Look at the ears. Oh, Snacks. Snacks for humans or snacks for rabbits? Well, you got to be careful with snacks for the rabbit. Otherwise, you're going to see smart pills on your leg. <laughs> Kroot got me there at the end. I'm not going to lie. He, he, he got me there when I was watching that live. 888-957-9570 is the text line and the phone number, of course, if you want to weigh in. That's all coming up. Stephen Lightford did on the pregame show. 95.7 The Game. Now back to the pregame show on 95.7 The Game. Here's Stephen Langford. Coming up in about six minutes at 545, we're going to get to Langford's long balls. If baseball doesn't want to market their players, then let the random radio host at 545 in the morning on a Friday in San Francisco do it for you. MLB. So we'll get to that uh, in about five minutes. Had some fun uh, talking about the Giants, and I think that Gregory Santos and just how good he looked in his debut not only speaks to just the Giants finding these guys in the mid 2010s in, in, in Santos and Duvall, but it's also just the help in developing them uh, using analytics and all these different devices and everything. Um, the hirings, Andrew Bailey as the pitching coach, Brian Bannister as the director of pitching. It's all a part of Farhan's plan, and I think that uh, Gregory Santos kind of headlined that last night and made everyone forget about the fact that they were mad that he took Aaron, that Kapler took Aaron Sanchez out of the fifth inning, even though after the fifth inning, even though he was dealing. Um, so we had that to talk about, plus, of course, the rabbit. We talked, we, we talked about the bunny. We talked about the put the bunny down. Shout out to Conair. But I did want to talk about this addition that the 49ers made 
before we get to Langford's long balls here. So yesterday, this kind of slipped under the radar because we've been talking so much about the draft, and rightfully so. It's six days away. Woo! Woo! Draft? I mean, come on. There's always something that's going on within the draft. Six days away on the 29th. But one addition that the Niners made yesterday, and this was from Ian Rappaport on Twitter, the 49ers have signed defensive tackle Mo Hurst from free agency. Now, Maurice Hurst was with the Raiders, and they felt like at the time when they drafted him back in, uh, oh, whenever it was, it was like 2017, but when they drafted him in the fifth round, they felt like they got a steal because he was a prospect with first-round talent that ended up dropping way low because he had some sort of heart condition. And this heart condition didn't necessarily um, affect him on the field for the past couple of years, as far as I know. And every single season, Mo Hurst has continued to develop into what they wanted in a defensive tackle. But I think more than, you know, Arden Key and Gruden releasing Arden Key, that kind of made sense because Arden Key has been a part of the team for a while. He was a third-round pick. He's on the 49ers now as well. Um, You know, he's an edge rusher that has had trouble just closing out, right? He's done pretty well to beat out his linemen, but actually getting to the quarterback, he's had issues with it. And the one play that you highlight when he did get to the quarterback was him putting the face mask on Ryan Fitzpatrick, and the Dolphins ended up winning that game with 13 seconds to go, even though they had their backup in the game. But Mo Hurst, to me, was an excellent move that the 49ers made. They have some nice depth there at the defensive line position. He was within the top 10 in run block win rate a majority of the time last season when at least he was on the field because he did get hurt for a little bit. Then he dropped down, uh, uh, dropped down off that list. But run block win rate is really when you beat your linemen and you don't let the running back get more than two yards past the line of scrimmage when you're a lineman. And, any time that the running back was uh, going toward Mo Hurst, he managed to put a stop to him. Now, getting to the quarterback, I think there was a little more uh, that was left to be desired uh, from that standpoint. But Gruden is just unloading these guys. And if you unload a dude like uh, like Mo Hurst, then you need to be the one to pounce on him because he's going to be a nice step piece that I think uh, has... Uh, a higher ceiling than Arden Key does. Uh, from the 206, the 49ers also signed Wayne Gallman. Yeah, they signed Wayne Gallman. Talked about that a little bit. You know, th- that doesn't really do much for me. I mean, you know, they've, they've got their one, two, their, their, their number one and their number two. Wayne Gallman is, you know, a nice pass catching option, but he, he's not anything that I'm going to get totally excited for. But Mohurst gives you that depth at defensive line that I think you need. At running back, they'll be fine. I mean, however, though, if, I mean, if, you know, Mostert gets hurt, Jeff Wilson possibly gets hurt, then it's up to Wayne Gallman. You know, came in, backed up Saquon Barkley when Saquon Barkley went out. Everyone decided to add Wayne Gallman last second to their fantasy team, maybe on a hunch that he'd have a good game, and it turns out 
that uh, the Giants had a crappy offensive line, so adding Wayne Gallman to your fantasy team uh, wasn't that great. But I do think that that's a move that kind of slipped under the radar. You got a young defensive lineman who has yet to develop with a team that stays consistent with their coaching. That's one thing that goes unrecognized a lot is the coaching for the defensive line and the fact that you need consistency there because there were some different coaches for him throughout his uh, tenure with the Raiders. So now that he's going somewhere with some stability, I think that that's a place that he can thrive. And we have seen time and time again these guys like Kerry Hyder Jr. or DJ Jones uh, thrive in this defense for the 49ers. And we'll see if you know Robert Sala being gone from the team has any effect on it. D'Amico Ryan's moving into defensive coordinator spot. Of course, Kerry Hyder Jr. not there anymore. But um, I, I do think that uh, Mohurst was a really nice addition that they made yesterday uh, that kind of slipped through the cracks. All right. All right. It's time. 5.45. You know what time it is. It's time for Langford's Long Balls. All right. I don't have some elaborate open. We just play some music, and then we get right to it. All right. So the whole point of Langford's Long Balls is I choose my five favorite home runs from the week. This week, there were a ton of home runs hit, and there's no real scale for what would count as my five favorite home runs could be distance could be exit velocity could be the story it doesn't it doesn't necessarily stay consistent but there are so many home runs that are hit in baseball now that we just don't really pay attention to them and there are so many that actually kind of have a cool story behind it so let's get to number five on my list as we go to the new york mets and francisco lindor and he drives one in the air to deep right field. Bryant goes back, takes a look, and it's out of here! Francisco Lindor with his first home run as a New York Met. A slump buster for Lindor, and the Mets draw first blood. It's one nothing New York. Now yeah, that's what you've been waiting for over the first dozen games. Lindor with more home runs than any shortstop in the game over the course of his career. And he launches his first as a Met at Wrigley Field. Now he's only batting 222 on the year, and he's only got excuse me 204 on the year, and he's only got one home run and three RBIs. Only has a 344 on base percentage, a 286 slugging, 630 OPS. Those numbers are not good, but to see Lindor get the first home run of his time with the Mets after signing the 10-year, 341 million dollar contract. million. If he didn't break out of this slump soon, then New York would have started to riot about this signing. But Lindor, for me personally, is one of my favorite players in baseball. And I just think that him actually getting that first home run after signing that big contract uh, after being on the Cleveland Indians and going to the Mets, just happy for Lindor and seeing his first home run happen at Wrigley Field. And stick around because there was another home run Uh, that was hit in that game that is going to be making this list. All right, let's get to number four. That timing of that foot and also his head, where it is. I think he just did it. I think he just did it. The timing is back. Yes, he did. Mike Trout puts the Angels on top, three to one. That is the 
mammoth home run for Mike Trout, his 39th of his career versus the Rangers. Now, not it's not just because he had some sort of slump. And I mean, listen to this commentator talk about how Trout needs to get the timing down. That timing in that foot and also his head, where it is. I think he just did it. I think he just did it. The timing is back. Yes, he did. <laughs> yes, he did. And here's the reason why this home run is significant, because Mike Trout hits a ton. I mean, his 460 foot four, uh, his 464 footer that he hit a couple of weeks ago, that didn't even make the list of Langford's long balls. This one was hit 434 feet. But the reason why it made the list and is put at number four is because it had a 115.1 exit velocity coming off of the bat, which is the hardest that Mike Trout has hit a home run in the StatCast era in his career, which is just insane. Considering how good Mike Trout has been, considering how many home runs that he's hit, and he's the star, I mean, the timing was off, that he goes on and hits the hardest home run that he's hit within the StatCast era. Now, Trout's swing is just a thing of beauty. I don't even know if he's made any little tweaks. It just feels like he's got his swing down. Guys are changing it all the time. J.D. Martinez changes up his swing all the time from the Red Sox. Mookie Betts, he'll change up his swing all the time over in L.A. I don't know if Mike Trout necessarily has. I'm sure he's made little tweaks here and there, but if he's ever in a cold streak, I don't think it's necessarily uh, because of the swing. All right, Mike Trout was number four. Francisco Lindor was number five. Let's get to number three on my list of Langford's long balls. This ball is hit to deep left field. Take a good look. You won't see it for long. Jonathan Daza with a bomb. He has been impressive offensively. He's getting a chance to play. First career home run for Daza. First career home run for Daza. Now, this ball was cracked. It was hit 415 feet. He's a right-handed batter. First career home run. And he's 27 years old. But listen to this dude's story. He had been going back and forth. First off, he started by getting signed to the Dominican Summer League. He was there for four seasons. And then eventually, he was signed with the Rockies. And then went to the Venezuelan League. And was bouncing back and forth between the Rockies minor league teams and the Venezuelan League as well. Ten years later, he was signed on October 20th of 2010 to a minor league contract and fast forward to 2021 he got his shot with the Rockies and he hit his first career home run and right now he's batting 357 he's got a he, again his first home run he's got 10 hits on the year and 3 RBIs but it's just great to see a dude like that who's my age 27 years old who has grown up through the minor league system going back and forth from Venezuela and Colorado's minor league teams to getting his chance now, then not only getting his chance, but taking advantage of the chance and getting his first career home run. So shout out to the Jonathan Daza of the Colorado Rockies. All right, number two on my list. That one is launched. And that baby is gone. Yeah, and it was not wind-aided, even though our uh, great 
Meteorologist technology showed it, but that was just gone regardless. Talk about a man timing a pitch. Now it went 430 feet to right field. That was Matt Olson off of former number one overall pick Casey Mize on Saturday as they played the Tigers and the A's are going on to uh, win their 12th straight. But there's a ton to choose from here. But that one on Saturday, the reason I chose that and the reason that it's number two, I told you that there's really no rules when it comes to Langford's long balls, right? There's no scale. In, In the end, it's whatever I want. And the reason that I chose this as number two I didn't choose his Grand Slam. No. The reason I chose this as number two is because I was there. (laughs) Selfish. I'm selfish with this list. Selfish with Langford's long balls. But Mize was, you know, he he, he was not necessarily dealing. He was leaving pitches over the plate, and the A's were putting good swings on the ball. But then Matt Olson gets the 3-2 count and absolutely cracked it. And I was about... In row thir- I was in row 35 in section 119, so kind of not necessarily straight behind home plate, but more facing toward uh, down the third baseline. So you see that ball just go to right field, and you knew when you see it in the air and you look at Olsen as he's doing his home run strut, you knew that it was gone. I hadn't seen uh, Olsen hit a homer that far in person, so actually seeing that for the first time was pretty damn cool. And you heard Fossey, uh, you heard Fossey and Kuiper there. He did not miss out timing on that fastball that was going at about 97 miles an hour. All right, so number five, we had Francisco Lindor getting his first home run as a New York Met. Number four, we had Mike Trout hitting the hardest home run that he has hit so far in his career in the StatCast era at 115.1 miles an hour. At number three, we had Jonathan Daza from the Colorado Rockies, 27-year-old who hit his first career home run earlier this week after being in the minor leagues for the past 10 years. Pretty damn cool story. Number two, Matt Olson. But number one, it has to be this dude from the New York Mets. And it's hit in the air to deep left field. Forget that. That is way out of here on the Waveland Avenue. What a bomb off the bat of Pete Alonzo. He clears the bleachers and hits it out into the street. His third home run of the year, a two-run majestic blast to cut the Cubs' lead to 7-4. to four. Wow. Now, this one didn't go far, technically. It only went 429 feet, and it was about 111 miles an hour off of the bat. But when you clear, when you clear Wrigley Field and you do it in that fashion, there's a reason that Pete Alonzo's nickname is the Polar Bear. His nickname's the Polar Bear. And not only did he do that, but he also did it yesterday at Wrigley. Now, he didn't necessarily hit it out the park, but it was damn close. And I don't know if you count the bleachers at Wrigley, the nosebleeds. I guess you can't necessarily say that. But all the way in the back row in left field, that's where the ball landed last night. Pete Alonzo, man. That thing was crushed. And that's good enough to make it on number one on Langford's long balls. I do want to get a couple of longerable mentions in there. Shout out to Joey Votto for hitting his 299th home run yesterday. Shout out in that same vein to the other Cincinnati Red, rookie Jonathan India, for hitting his first career home run, and it ended up being uh, the game-tying home run late in the ball game uh, earlier this week against the Diamondbacks. So shout out to those two guys. You had Jose Abreu crushing one. Uh, Jesse Winker had a two-home run game from the Reds. 
There was a lot to go around, but these ones from this week were my five personal favorites, and it's the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the moment you've all been waiting for. The long baller of the week. First week we had Ryan McMahon. Last week we had Ronald Acuna. But this week, who else would it be besides... Matt Olson. Matt Olson has to be the long baller of the week. He's had four home runs. He had two in a single game, one of them being a grand slam. And, of course, he hit that one, just crushed it off of Casey Mize, which absolutely rattled him to right field. Matt Olson's been doing it all, and it's no surprise that when he started to go on a tear, that's when the A's started to go on a tear. Guess when his first home run was hit? His first home run was hit against Houston on April 9th. That was the first game the A's won this year. And the A's haven't lost a game since. And Matt Olson, since then, has hit six home runs in that span. Now, can they win 12 straight? We'll see. They're going off to face the Orioles, so it's a three-game series. You'd think that, you know, 14 wins? It's not out of the realm of possibility uh, when you're going on to face a team like the Marlins. Then you got Tampa Bay coming up in the future. But that's Langford's long balls this week. It went a little long, but look, if baseball's not going to market their players, I'll try to do it as best as I can because I do love this sport and I do wish uh, that it would stop getting knocked as much as it does because there are some pretty damn talented players out there and some pretty cool stories to go around. Know your mean Mercedes this week. Know your mean Mercedes from the Chicago White Sox. Very unfortunate. Your mean Mercedes, though, got on the mound <laughs> earlier this week. I think it was the Red Sox who were just absolutely torching uh, the White Sox. And your mean Mercedes ended up getting on the mound in the seventh inning. And he was throwing 75-mile-an-hour fastballs. <laughs> Yeah, that's not going to do enough to make a Langford's long balls this week. So tune in next week on Friday at 545. Langford's long balls every Friday at 545. All right. What we got coming up tonight, we do have the Warriors versus the Nuggets. First game at Chase Center where fans are being allowed in. And I do wonder, since this is this really is a matchup of MVPs. You know, depending on whoever wins it, doesn't matter who wins it in this one. I think these guys and Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic from the Nuggets, I think they're both very deserving to get MVP regardless uh, of of what happens because they've just been so damn good this season. But I do wonder the type of defense that the Nuggets are going to be playing. I mean, just to stop Steph from going on some sort of tear, they're probably going to have Four guys on him. They're going to quadruple team him in this one. That's probably what's going to be happening. And, of course, we got the Giants and the Marlins. And then we got the A's and the Orioles kicking off their three-game series. But it's been a real fun Friday show. Had a lot to talk about. Kurt Casale, the Rabbit, Gregory Santos, all highlights from last night's Giants game. Let's see what happens in the weekend and see what happens uh, coming in on Monday morning. But coming up on the morning roast... You got Anthony Slater at 8.15. Giants GM Scott Harris at 9.20. Can't wait to hear about what he thinks about Gregory Santos. And then, of course, we got a couple of new segments that are rolling out here with the Morning Roast with Kate Scott, Bonte Hill, and Joe.